Bill Gates, Vaccines, and Population Control. Study this material if you care about your children and their future. I recently reposted Naomi Wolf's COVID vaccine essay, Dear Friends, Sorry to Announce a Genocide. She is one of the most credible journalists alive, and that article is far better than this one. If you don't believe her, I remind you that the Gates Foundation was originally named the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for Population Control, and I leave a link. And also that the WHO, World Health Organization, has been conspiring to develop fertility regulating vaccines since at least 1992, and I have an image of one of their papers. As I reviewed in another recent post, you and your children must avoid all vaccines, including influenza, which is another ineffective fraud, and I left a link, or you can search Cochrane Reviews about it and see for yourself. The stories about vaccine health disasters include ruinous disabilities or death occurring immediately after injection. These are chronicled in many places, notably in the movie Vaxxed, V-A-X-X-E-D, and the better Vaxxed too. Evidence of this strength preempts the need for placebo-controlled trials. Vaccines, for example, Gardasil, do not get studied like this anyway. Unprecedented liability shields for vaccine manufacturers were signed into law in the 1980s. This emboldened the pharma companies, which launched a gold rush to hatch new jabs. All their new concoctions were toxic, some of them profoundly so and later analysis proved that sanitation rather than the new injections were responsible for the ensuing public health improvements. United States rates for autism were 1 in 10,000 in the 1980s, at a time when there were only 24 doses of vaccines given to our children. But after the heedless scramble to fabricate these liability-free injections, and there were 72 doses on the pediatric schedule by 2018, Autism rates became an epidemic of 1 out of 50 or maybe even 1 out of 30 kids. No one can blame pollution, cell phone radiation, or space aliens for the child who started banging his head and never spoke again on the, on the day he got the jab. And there's a chart documenting the vaccine doses for U.S. children. In 1962, there were 5 doses. 83, there were 24. 2018, 72 doses. I knew pediatricians were the worst paid physicians and always thought they were the most ethical. They have no operations or other lucrative ways to get paid. But pharma companies generally kick back 20% of the costs of shots given in a doctor's office, and I suspect this includes vaccinations. This would explain pediatricians' hearty endorsement for, quote, well-child visits. A related example is oncology. Overpriced chemotherapy with the attendant doctor bribery made the cancer doctors wealthy and destroyed their patient relationships. When such a payoff is between physicians instead of between doctors and a corporation, an arrangement like this is a federal felony called capping. But pharma gets a pass through a loophole. Here is Dr. Toby Rogers' opinion from lies are unbecoming, substack. Quote, the evidence is now overwhelming that all vaccines on the U.S. schedule cause more harm than benefits. 
particular vaccines, including the birth dose of the hepatitis B vaccine, human papillomavirus vaccines, and coronavirus vaccines are so clearly toxic and devastating to human health that support for their use can only be caused psychotic and genocidal. Yet for 40 years, Democrats have refused to read original source documents that show these harms, even as they add ever more vaccines to the schedule to enrich the biggest donors to the party. Recently, Candace Owens has taken on the vaccine industry in an easy-to-understand multi-part video series that I put links to. Gardasil, the HPV vaccine, is a particularly bad actor with, just like the rest, no net benefits. <clears throat> it also has a mountain of serious, terrible effects. The shot prevents about half of certain types of cervical warts. These have a theoretical association with cervical cancer. However, U.S. cervical cancer deaths have not changed a bit since Gardasil was introduced in 2006, so the product has been proven worthless by the clinical experience. RFK Jr. continues the story in his book, The Real Anthony Fauci. Quote, Prior to COVID-19, Gardasil was the most dangerous vaccine ever licensed, accounting for some 22% of cumulative injuries from all adverse events reported to the U.S. Vaccine Adverse Re Events Reporting System, VAERS. During clinical trials, Merck was unable to show that Gardasil was effective against cervical cancers. Instead, the study showed the vaccine actually increased, increases cervical cancer by 46.3% in women exposed to HPV prior to vaccination, perhaps one-third of all women. He continues, according to Merck's clinical trial reports, the vaccine was associated with autoimmune diseases in one out of every 39 women. Since introduction of that vaccine in 2006, thousands of girls have reported debilitating autoimmune diseases and cancer rates have skyrocketed in young women. Gates' strong patronage of HPV vaccines deepened suspicions that he was weaponizing vaccine against human fertility. Merck's clinical trials showed strong signals for reproductive harm from Gardasil. People in the study suffered reproductive problems that included premature ovarian failure at 10 times the background rates. Female fertility has dropped precipitously beginning in 2006 in the United States. Along with the Gardasil uptake, historical drops in fecundity have occurred in every nation with a high Gardasil uptake. And I listed some Gardasil injury sites, which you can click through. The smallpox vaccine story was similar to COVID. And this is a quote from another source. We are presently reliving the smallpox vaccine tragedy where a deadly and unproven vaccine was released to the market in 1796. Once it came into widespread use, instead of preventing smallpox, it repeatedly caused widespread smallpox outbreaks and maimed or killed countless people around the world. As the vaccine caused smallpox epidemics around the world, governments responded by increasingly draconian mandates to vaccin 
vaccinate and then to boost the population to try and address the increasing waves of smallpox. The medical profession and intellectual class supported these mandates while the working class opposed them, often going to prison or losing their possession for doing so. As the death count mounted, mass protests broke out. This accumulated in an approximately 100,000 person 1885 protest against the mandates in Leicester, England. Leicester was forced to drop the mandates and switch to simple, but revolutionary at the time, public health measures to contain the epidemic. The medical profession said massed graves would soon follow and continued to say so for at least 30 years. Leicester instead became the first place to end the smallpox epidemic and their successful public health model was gradually adopted globally. Despite what you have been taught, Leicester's model, rather than the vaccine, is what actually ended the smallpox epidemic. There are a few important takeaways from this story. The first is that much of the insanity we are dealing with now now arose from a past mistake that was never reconciled and instead became a mythology of our culture. The second was that it took a century to end this tragedy and it only happened because of mass working class protest against the mandates. The third is the same gaslighting we see now was in full swing over a century ago. The next section I call a coda. I was the recent podcast guest of a 20-year-old Spanish man. He had read my book and understood a lot, but he had little inkling of our matrix-like world and the layers of propaganda that prevent us from seeing reality. He said that even if I was right, and he was not sure about that, his individual actions had no chance of influencing the wider troubles. So he believed he should not get involved. You know, the why vote, I have no influence argument. And he said that, quote, everyone in Spain had decided the clot shot was good for them and they all took it. I went over the foot in the alligator's mouth, so you must fight metaphor with him. But maybe they don't have alligators in Spain, or maybe he thinks they don't bite, or maybe he suspects they are mythical. So I discuss an image of him sitting in his apartment in Lebanon during the revolutions or Poland during the Nazi invasion and hoping for the best. I said, suppose he had an AK-47 that he'd purchased for home defense. Does he wait until the thugs are in the next apartment before he decides it's time to act? Fortunately, we are not at the point of violence yet. And we may not get there if we all stand up. I told him to do his reading, starting with the real Anthony Fauci and COVID-19 and the global predators. His problem is fear. And let me show you two quotes. Fear does not prevent death, it prevents life. That's from Naguib Mafwas. Quite an experience to live in fear, isn't it? That's what it is to be a slave. That's from the baddie character in the Blade Runner movie. I have a last couple of paragraphs of honest data from other countries. Health Canada has just updated their COVID dashboard. 99.96% of the COVID deaths in the last week were vaccinated and 70% were boosted. And the triple vaccinated have a higher COVID death rate than the unvaccinated. Denmark has a pandemic of the vaccinated. Those with a jab now have more cases and more fatalities. 
And according to UK data, the COVID vax kills more than it saves. Here's a couple of last tidbits. A pharma boss faked his vaccination. And three former FDA commissioners now hold senior positions at COVID vaccine companies that received experimental use authorization. And finally, in a rare victory, we beat the World Health Organization out of a power grab. More on that later.